0: Hello, I'm Casey and I'm Emily and you're listening to a sprinkle of sugar a dash of murder a true crime podcast with an element of baking and
1: what are you baking this week
0: so this week I am baking snickerdoodles mm. um, yes we all love a good snickerdoodle yeah um, basically it's just a cinnamony sugar cookie yeah which <laughs> It's amazing anyway delicious yes it's my dad's favorite um but this murder has nothing to do with my father um <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i do yeah right i just really i have just been in the mood for snickerdoodles so i was like you know what i will show everybody my recipe for snickerdoodles um so like i said it's essentially just a sugar cookie with some cinnamon and um this recipe that i have calls for um the one bizarre thing everything else you should have in your pantry fridge like it'll have it has flour baking soda um butter sugar vanilla extract eggs but then it also has cream of tartare which which sounds super fancy what is cream of tartare
1: I don't know. Hopefully, nothing like tartar sauce because that's what <laughs> I'm thinking.
0: <of. laughs> it's a seasoning, um, a white powder found in baking aisle that is commonly used to helps. Oh, okay, so that's what it does. So it helps stabilize whipped egg. Oh, like egg whites huh. and meringues and cakes and everything. Um, oh, I'm silly. Um, it's actually specifically known for snickerdoodle cookies um because that's what ends up giving it its flavor and texture.
1: Oh I thought it was
0: just like sugar cookies. But no okay so cream of tartare is a staple apparently essential in sugar or in snickerdoodles. (laughs) But anyway it's a it's a good cookie and it's really easy to make too so anywho Enjoy. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I know I will. Hopefully, you
1: cannot hear this, but maintenance has decided now is the beautiful time right outside my wall to be using the leaf blower. So
0: I might actually, hear that. I don't hear it on my end. Okay, good. Well, maybe we're good.
1: Okay, good. If you hear a random humming, that's probably it if it ever <laughs> shows up or Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Um
0: all right. So what are we covering today, Emily? So
1: this week we are doing um a case on a woman named Tanya
0: Hughes. Wait, before you get started, sorry, let's we'll get back to Tanya. Um I think that we should probably preface why we've been absent for the past two weeks. Right. We should probably explain ourselves. Right? Yeah.
1: So I, first of all, my aunt was visiting me for a week. So we were busy running around the parks and stuff like that. So there was that.
0: Yeah. And then me, <laughs> I got mono.
1: Yay.
0: The kissing disease <laughs> for the second time. <laughs> oh. Um, Usually you only get it in like high school and college um but i decided to get it for my 26th birthday (laughs) um partying a little too hard no i think in college it might have been the partying but (laughs) (laughs) if i'm gonna be honest when i had the first time but this time no it is um I think it's because I have a baby that likes to stick her grubby little fingers in my mouth. And <laughs> I think she gave it to me.
1: Blame Jilly. No. Yeah. So, you know,
0: two very different stages in life. Yeah. But the same illness nonetheless. Nice. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I was yeah. bedridden and miserable. But, but we're but, back. Yep, we're back. Stronger than ever. And she's alive. And I'm alive. So. I'm 10 pounds lighter. I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's hear about our friend Tanya. Or our not so friend Tanya. Yeah.
1: So. It's. uh, mm, This is great. You're already lost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You said like three words. Before I interrupted you.
1: (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So. (laughs) It's Oklahoma City. April of 1990 and a couple of guys are driving in a truck at night and they see a body on the side of the road and it's a blonde woman and they call an ambulance for her and she's taken to the hospital because she was not dead um, oh. but she was very injured and her husband Clarence shows up and he says this is my wife Tanya Hughes she's a stripper in Tulsa and we have a son named Michael And, um, her husband, the nurses thought he was kind of strange and he was a lot older than her. Um, and she had a lot of bruises and injuries to her and she eventually did pass away from her injuries. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Um, and her friends at the strip club she worked at wanted to tell her family that she had died, like try and get in contact with them. So they find her mother in, uh, like the phone book or something. And they call her and like tell her like, "Oh, I'm very sorry, your daughter Tanya has died. She was hit by a car." Because um, at this point, it's like a hit and run. Oh, That's what okay. it's classified as.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and the mother that they called said, "What are you talking about? My daughter died 20 years ago when she was 18 months old. So, oh. whoever just died in this hit and run was not the real Tanya Hughes."
0: Oh yeah, taken God. that
1: name from that dead baby twenty years ago. <gasps> so that's now horrible. there's the mystery of who is this woman who has just died on the side of the road. Um
0: well let's start with the husband, right?
1: Right. So Tanya's friend Karen, um, she met her in nineteen eighty-nine working at Passions, which was the strip club in Tulsa that they both worked at and karen had met tanya's husband clarence and their two-year-old son before um and michael their son was very attached to tanya very very affectionate but he their son kind of seemed afraid of clarence his dad so and karen remembers seeing bruises on tanya all the time and that not too uh Like, recently, before she died, um, Clarence had taken a life insurance policy on her, um, and it scared Tanya, but he kept their son, like, locked up so that she couldn't, like, take him and leave, you know? I'm not exactly sure what locked up means, but, like, he was very watchful over him. Like, wouldn't let her be- she was never allowed to be alone with her own son because he was like, you'll just leave with him, so- he wouldn't and
0: let she's them not, be alone together. Yeah, and she's not going to leave without her son.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Clarence called Karen that day, April 5th, 1990, to tell her that Tanya was a victim of a hit and run in Oklahoma City. And Karen was very surprised that they were all the way over in Oklahoma City because she had never told anybody that they were leaving, leaving Tulsa. So that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um. When she got to the hospital, Tanya, um, it was shortly after midnight, and she had a severe head injury, and there was pretty bad brain swelling, Um, and her friend Karen came to see her in the ICU, and the nurse tells Karen, this was not a hit and run. This was definitely foul play, from what we can tell from these injuries, Um, and she had a lot of scratches on her body, like she was in a fight um
0: oh wow
1: yeah that's not like official police business but that's what the nurses were like saying like they were pretty sure based off what they saw
0: that's so bad because i mean like that's not really for the nurses to say that's kind of starting a little bit of gossip when like as yeah. a nurse, i mean you hear that a lot they'll they'll be like like you'll hear um I don't know, nurses be like, oh, no one doing that can sustain those kinds of injuries. But, like, sometimes, like, it's so, like, what if she was hit by the car and then rolled over a bunch of sticks or something? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just so hard to be able to tell, like, unless there's, like, a ton of, like, bruises where it's, like, some are yellowing bruises. Some are, like, with different stages
1: Mm -hmm.
0: where you can tell it was, like, going on for, like, an extended period of time. It's so hard to know, like, okay, is this from a car hitting her? Is this from her getting beat up? Yeah. As from a nurse's standpoint, right? That's like not you the wouldn't one investigating. Norm- Would
1: normally say that to somebody. yeah,
0: and then to have the balls to like, to to spread that like outside of like just the nurses gossiping mm-hmm. or going to the police and telling them. Yeah, mm-hmm. is ballsy.
1: Yeah um so the strange thing about tanya's injuries were that her vitals were stable um so they thought maybe she could recover but then her brain injury just like worsened rapidly and she died um and she's only 20 years old at this point like young um and when karen found out that tanya's name was not really tanya she immediately suspected something definitely something weird was going on but that was like an extra red flag so she reported clarence to dhs right away and dhs takes michael away their son from clarence and puts him in a foster home that very day the same day so
0: but why just because he that's interesting if they didn't find like a reason yeah like besides someone telling you something
1: I don't
0: know, maybe they but, went there. And it wasn't as as a uh, good of a living situation as it could have been.
1: yeah um I think later in the tapes that I listened to, um there was something like, oh, in the like Clarence is talking about in the days after his wife or the day after his wife died, he was like drinking a little bit, so maybe I wasn't watching him, but it wasn't like neglectful, like they said. So, like, I think oh. when they went to visit him, he was, like, drunk or something. But they yeah. didn't really... I couldn't really tell, but I think that's what it was.
0: Yeah, and they were thinking that the kid was being neglected. I mean, he probably was.
1: Yeah. Um. So, Michael is placed with Ernest and Merle Bean in Choctaw, Oklahoma. Um, and they had him for four years. And he Whoa. really... yeah. He really thrived with them, like, emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, They really loved him, and he really loved them. Uh, But the whole time that they had him, Clarence was, like, fighting to get him back. And he just was trying, like, every option he could. He went to the courts petitioning that his son was being punished for wanting to see his dad, that he was being locked in his room and being told that his dad was a bad man, and he's, like... This isn't true. Um, And Clarence did have visiting rights to see Michael. He was allowed to see him once a week. But Michael did not like going to those. He would crawl into a hiding spot and would just kept saying, that mean man, that mean man, like over and over. So so DHS decided to take a paternity test for Michael. And they find out that Clarence is not his biological father. So those legal rights were terminated right away and clarence had no more visits with him
0: wow good um so that hurts my heart so much for that little boy that like he's scared of this this man yeah i'm glad they did a paternity test just to make sure
1: yeah me too the poor kid and it, it sucks that he like had to go see him when he didn't want to because of the legal rights as the father. Right. Yeah. Um so the same week that his rights were terminated, um, a truck started driving very slowly by the house, by the um the Bean Bean family's house. So Merle reported it and the police um basically told her well it's just someone driving past your house we can't really do anything about that they're just driving past but she's like it's him i know it's him um and i have a bad feeling about it but yeah yeah um so on september 12 1994 clarence walked into an elementary school michael's elementary school and said i'm here for my son and held the principal at gunpoint um, and kidnapped Michael from school. Yeah. Um, Clarence drove the principal out to the woods, then duct taped him to a tree and left him there. Um, and he, the principal was found and he was okay. But um, obviously Michael was gone and the FBI is contacted right away. Mm-hmm. And Agent Joe Fitzpatrick becomes the lead detective on this case. And Fitzpatrick does some digging on Clarence and sees that he tried to collect his wife's life insurance policy in 1990, but the social security number he gave was for someone named Franklin Floyd. So they realize Clarence's real name is Franklin Delano Delano Floyd, and he had a lot of aliases. Um, He had a lot of different names.
0: Um, That's scary that now he's on the run and he has a lot of aliases. Mm-hmm. He can disappear very easily. Yep.
1: Um, they also find, or Joe also finds, that Franklin had been in a halfway house at one point, which meant he had been in prison. So then they look into prison records and see in 1962, he abducted a four-year-old girl and raped her and he went to prison for that yeah um he also had robbed a bank once and he was in jail from 63 to 72 for the for the four-year-old girl's
0: abduction oh my gosh he's a monster
1: um yeah and he posted bail The second time he was arrested oh so he's let out of prison um in 72 and that's when he went into the halfway house and then in 73 he attacked another woman while on parole and he's arrested again but he posted bail and just didn't show up for court and disappeared and he was he had been a fugitive for two decades after that like wow. hiding under different names yeah um so joe started suspecting okay that he's ter- obviously he's a convicted pedophile he's very violent and they start really panicking for michael that something might have will probably happen to him if he's not found
0: yeah i mean yes he's a pedophile but um also like that kind of explains why he's like that he had such a young wife too Mm -hmm. yeah he like manipulated her she was only 20 years old yeah manipulated her too like i know that okay she's a she's i guess the legal age in quotes Mm -hmm. she's above 18 but only by two years and he's old yeah how old was he
1: um he was born I think they said he was born in forty three and she was born in sixty-nine, so
0: he was in frickin' prison when she was born. Yeah. Already. Mm-hmm. That's nuts.
1: Right. Oh. So yeah it's gross. So, um a former friend of Tanya's, Jenny, uh was watching TV when she saw her face on the TV and saw that she was dead, but they were like why are they saying her name is Tanya? This is Sharon. Oh. So, Tanya or Jenny calls the FBI and says, "This is my friend Sharon Marshall. We were high school best friends in Georgia." So, joe meets up with jenny to get her story of like who is this woman is this this sharon marshall you're saying her name is so sharon and jenny met at summer camp and were like instant best friends um sharon was going to go to georgia tech and be an aerospace engineer she got in on a full scholarship to the aerospace engineering department like she was super smart like and she knew what she was doing um but Jenny said, like, her dad was, like, super, super strict and, like, really, really weird. And, um... um
0: don't tell me her dad's... is the husband... is yeah. Clarence.
1: Yeah. Ooh. That is that is what happened. What? Yep. what? Yeah. So, Sharon told everybody growing up that her mom had been hit by a car and died, um... And her dad's name was Warren, um, Warren Marshall. My bad. And Jenny is looking at the news and she's like, this man on the news, like, that's not her husband. That's her father. That is her dad. Yeah, that they knew, like, growing up, like, their whole lives. Um, she's known him as her dad. So the plot thickens. Um, And one day, uh, Sharon called Jenny crying, saying she was pregnant, and she wanted to put the baby up for adoption, uh, but her dad didn't want her to go to college now. So she had to, her dad forced her to, like, stay home with him when she was going to go to Georgia Tech and do this amazing, amazing career that she was good at. Um, That would be just incredibly devastating. I cannot imagine that and then your own dad like telling you like no you can't you can't do this you can't give up or you have to give up your dreams like that's insane
0: yeah I mean that just sounds like the stupid move I mean um if he if he was actually like thinking for her best interest making her stay home is not really the best move there like yeah. are you trying to punish her I mean Whose interest do you have in mind when you're doing that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jenny is like absolutely horrified to learn that um Sharon had and Warren were posing now as a married couple in Tulsa. Um and in 1989, just one year before she died, is when they changed their names to Tanya and Clarence um and started pretending to be a married couple and they took those names off of headstones in alabama and got married under those names in new orleans so they were actually married they weren't like even pretending they had actually gotten married in new orleans under those names
0: oh yeah what the heck isn't that great do you know that some places like i'm pretty sure that illinois was one of those places um would require for you to have a blood test before you could get married to someone and make sure you weren't related. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm wondering I if it's still a law some places, but I know that Illinois, that was a law. It's not oh, now, but, yeah. I
1: mean, well, maybe it should be. <laughs>
0: Honestly. Well, especially with all these, like, sperm banks and everything, you don't know.
1: hmm You don't know. Ooh! <laughs> um... So Jenny last heard that Sharon was in Tampa working at mons venus which was a strip club in 1988 and sharon was then working under the name sharon marshall in tampa and all the girls in the club like really quickly saw that there was something really weird about her dad um her dad was telling her that she should inquire about the parties at the club and told her like you should always be available for the parties there and you should always be willing to do whatever at the strip club for more money for me So he was having his daughter make money at a strip club for him and to take care of them. Like, yeah.
0: Um, Well, like, I just don't understand why they need to pose as husband and wife. Yeah. I don't get that. Like, okay, change names, whatever. But, like, why can't you still be a father-daughter? Is he just a pedophile or, like, a...
1: We'll see. I mean, yeah. yes, but there, there is a reason. So when they're in Tampa, they're still being the marshals like a father daughter at this point. Um, And one of the Sharon got in trouble at the strip club because she started offering clients like sex services for like $50. And they were like, we don't do that here. like, you can't, advertise yourself like that that's not okay and they're like why are you doing that when you know it's against the rules and she said oh my dad told me to do it and he gave me condoms for it so he told me to do it and I was like oh yeah that's really nasty
0: that Um, is disgusting
1: yeah so then Sharon was pregnant and she had Michael and everyone said she was like a devoted mother who loved who loved her son, like, deeply. Um, but, yeah, everyone was pretty suspicious of her dad. So, like, even though they liked Sharon, they, like, avoided her because they knew, like, they were a package deal. Like, you had to deal with her dad if you wanted to deal with her.
0: Oh.
1: So, um, Michelle Couples becomes Michael's babysitter when he was a baby, um, and she was a neighbor of theirs. When she was 15 years old, she started babysitting for them. And she remembers a friend of theirs, Cheryl, coming to the trailer park, and she was really beautiful. Um, she, was, she wanted to be a model, and she was working at the strip club with Sharon. So they were hanging out. And one day, Warren puts in a VHS tape of Sharon and Cheryl dancing topless at the beach. And Michelle remembers, like, seeing it and, like, being disgusted because she's like, oh, like, her dad obviously filmed it. And then Warren realizes Michelle is there and he's like, don't you ever talk about this. You didn't see it. This was just some fun. Like, don't think about it. Like, obviously, that's disgusting and wrong. So Cheryl tells everyone that, oh, Sharon's dad said he's gonna, like, take pictures of me and submit the videos to Playboy and I'm gonna be famous. And um, <clears throat> all the girls are at, at the club. Are like, no, he's using you and being disgusting, and you need to stay away from them. Yeah,
0: that's very naive of her.
1: Yeah, cause like, what pull would he have at Playboy? Like, absolutely not. Right. He lives in a trailer park. Like,
0: why can't she send the videos in herself? Right.
1: Um. So when she decided to t- um listen to their advice be like, what, what you let him. I laid like
0: this and I saw my <laughs> I, just, I saw an angle. I was look I wanted to lay like this, it was comfy, but I look like a <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at um. myself. Okay, come on.
1: So Cheryl decided she wanted to get away from them, and that's when he became like very violent with her. And then Sharon just disappeared Sharon and her dad disappeared um they left Tampa after that um and then Jenny is so it flips back I was I got this from like a documentary so it flips back to Jenny talking to the FBI agent about like what she remembers about Sharon from her childhood and she remembers um once that she slept over at her house and she was showing Jenny all this sexy lingerie that her dad had bought for her. which Oh, ew. gross. And then her dad came in with a gun and was like, what are you doing? And he started laughing at them. And he told Jenny to lay down on the ground and put a pillow over her head. And he raped Sharon at gunpoint while Jenny was in the room. So, like, no regard at all that there was like a witness or anything but, like he did not care either and yeah what yeah and the next but, morning
0: yeah okay go on
1: the next morning sharon just hugged jenny and was like daddy's just like that like i'm okay you're okay just let this go he's just like that
0: like oh it's just
1: awful like so she's. Sad. it's so ingrained in her head like that that's normal you know or like she knows it's not but it is at the same time for her you know like it's just awful yeah
0: she just got that's like how she was raised and so that is so sad that just makes me so sick that like she was raised to think that like that's okay and that yeah it's okay like i don't know like she still loves her father Mm-hmm. i resent him because of it
1: like that it's makes- just the two of them there was no one else like and did say it was wrong
0: i mean for him to like just be willing to do that with another child in the room is mm-hmm. one, disgusting yeah but also like his what if she went home and told her parents i mean right? you could have easily done that i don't know yeah I don't know for, like, how he was so confident that she wasn't going to go home and tell her parents.
1: Yeah, right. And she didn't because she was that scared. But, like, yeah, she totally could have. You don't know.
0: And, like, when you're a kid and something weird happens at, like, your friend's house, you just kind of go, like, oh, okay. That's weird. Whatever. Mm -hmm. They're just weirdos. I mean, because you have such an innocent mind, you don't, like, really know what's happening.
1: Yeah. So, Agent Fitzpatrick starts doing, making a timeline of their picture of um, the ages of Franklin and Sharon, and Sharon was 20 when she died in 1990, Mm -hmm. which means she was born in 69 or 70, and he was in prison from 63 to 72.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what I had realized earlier.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, there's no way he could have been Sharon's biological father. So Mm -hmm. now they're thinking she is most likely an abducted child. And um, Joe puts a stop on all of his aliases that he had been using in the Mm -hmm. states that he had driver's license in. So Texas, Georgia, Florida, and Kentucky. And sure enough, he... Tries to renew a driver's license under the name Warren Marshall.
0: Wow! Leaving. Yeah, you no, know, that's ridiculous. That he just gets out of jail for like, like, what was it again? What was he in jail for? Um, it's actually assault on um, a four-year-old, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, that's horrible. But um, so he just gets out of jail for that. Clearly, doesn't learn his lesson,
1: mm-hmm. and just.
0: Deals another child. Yeah, I can. Uh, I I am so curious to hear how the heck he even does that. The audacity, truly. Um. So an agent
1: in Louisville dressed up as a UPS driver and went to his house, pretending to deliver the driver's license to him, and arrested him on the spot. <laughs> <Got him>. Um. <laughs> but the only problem is the agents were talking to all of his neighbors in Louisville, and none of them saw. They never saw Michael, never knew that he had a kid with him. So Michael is still no. missing.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. And
0: how long was he there for? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, long. he was there long enough to get a house and, you know, interact yeah. with his neighbors.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: oh, no, that's not a good sign.
1: So Franklin claims that Michael is still alive, but left him with a rich person to take care of him. That's what he said. Like that's, yeah, right. yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so his trial starts, and they cannot charge him with Michael's murder because there's no body, there's no proof of anything um, of foul play. So they charge him with kidnapping, kidnapping with a firearm, carjacking, carjacking with a firearm, and using um, basically all those charges to try and add as many years to his sentence as they could good a kidnapping charge so and i bet
0: the fact that he literally went into a school with a gun is gonna be um up in his charges quite a bit like yeah I bet adds on of several years
1: exactly yeah for sure
0: um
1: so even though the trial was all basically circumstantial it was still not an easy trial but they did end up finding him guilty, and he was sentenced to 52 years with no parole for Michael's kidnapping. But then, Joe gets a call from another agent saying they found the truck that Michael was abducted in with a package of photos taped to the bottom of the truck. Which what? It's just strange. Yeah. And all of those pictures were, like, pornographic pictures of young girls, including Sharon. And some of them were of, like, girls being beaten
0: and oh my god yeah and then taped to the bottom of your truck too like how does that like, even happen it's so weird the truck that everyone is looking for like what are you thinking yeah and know. like i mean i wonder how securely taped it was because like you'd think that um the weather and the bumps on the road would just knock it loose yeah. i don't understand that. yeah it's weird or like maybe yeah i don't know like, why not put it underneath your seat or like put it? I don't know. Like, right? Find somewhere else for it. On the bottom of your car is so weird. Yeah, it's just it like it, it adds to it being skeevy for some reason. Mm-hmm. It just, like, yeah, it extra like,
1: like he Lair. knows
0: how wrong and how much trouble he would get in for all these pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, one girl was
1: one of the girls in the picture was so beaten that Joe was sure that she had to have been dead so now they wanted oh, to find out God. who she was mm-hmm. and in 1995 in florida a body was found in the woods with a bullet hole in the skull and a fracture to the bowl bone under mm-hmm. one of the eyes so this body was never id'd so joe sent them the photos of this beaten girl to try and match it to like the bone structure of their jane doe and it turns mm-hmm. out this girl was cheryl camesso the <gasps> stripper who he tried to like get into playboy or said he was going to get into Are playboy.
0: you kidding
1: me? Yeah. So she had like started pulling away from him and not trusting him and he um murdered her um shot her left her in the woods and that is when he and Sharon left Tampa and then changed their names. Because I wonder if Sharon that.
0: knew. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Cheryl was Sharon's friend. Mm-hmm. And she'd come around like, how guilty could she have been? Or, or what did... I always forget his name because he has so many aliases. What's his Franklin. name? What should we call
1: him? Franklin. Franklin is his real name.
0: Okay. Like, what did Frank like Franklin even tell her about why they have to leave? It's yeah. just so That poor woman,
1: mm hmm. So, the police would obviously be looking for a man, his daughter, and her child, not a married Mm -hmm. couple and their child. So, that's why they got married,
0: um, and like changed their
1: names. Yep. So, in 2002, Floyd is charged with first degree murder of Cheryl's, uh, of Cheryl Camesso, and he gets the death penalty by lethal injection. Um, so now he's on death row, and everyone is relieved to know that he's going to die and like pay for it, but they also there's still two mysteries of where
0: Michael is and who Sharon really is, yeah, I mean, how they can't kill him before they find out at least where Michael is right, I yes. mean yes, okay, unfortunately, Sharon has already passed away like that's what started all of this, but like we don't know I mean. We assume something really sinister has happened to Michael, but we don't know that for sure. Right. There's no (laughs) proof of anything. Yeah, we have to find him wherever he is, whether, like, because he could have, like, sold him to some people or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. some Like, oh, gosh, I don't know. There should be, like, some type of rule. But then again. Yeah. I don't know. You never know. Just try to get it out of him before the the, the um... execution. We yeah,
1: execution. Yeah. Right. Um, so agent Joe Fitzpatrick retires and the only two mysteries he was not able to close in his 27 years at the FBI before he retired was finding Michael and IDing Sharon. So no. I know. So in 2002, Matt, who is an investigative journalist decides to start digging into this and he reaches out to joe and is like do you want to help me write this book and because he retired but he still cares like joe was like absolutely i will help you with this so they're working on it again um and matt went to interview franklin while he was on death row and franklin starts talking about his life right away like he was sent to a children's home. He had a troubled life. He was beaten by the people at the children's home. And he was raped by, like, older boys there. Um, Basically, like, a sob story. But then he denied yeah, like, all of his crimes.
0: You know, that's ridiculous. Like, for one, okay, if I get accused of all these things, just know that this is what happened to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, a hor- that's horrible. And I don't wish that upon anybody. But also... It's just so sad how monsters create monsters, mm-hmm. and and then it's like with the with people that are serial killers because he's he's clearly a serial killer, yeah. How they all try to use like, I had a really troubled childhood, like like John Wayne Gacy saying I was bullied, mm-hmm. like yeah. Okay, I mean yes, being raped by older boys is really traumatizing and that's horrible for franklin but also it's just him trying to give a sob story as to why yeah. he is waiting but then not confess like okay if i get found guilty just know that this is it but i'm not guilty right yeah okay poopy mhm <laughs> poopy oh
1: poopy um so They never got the information out of him and they published their book called A Beautiful Child about Sharon's life. Um, But the internet really blew up after the book was published by, like, you know, amateur detectives on the internet who were trying to figure out who she was. And then Matt got an email saying, Would the DNA of Sharon's daughter help you from a young woman named Megan? And Megan turned out to be sharon's birth daughter who she gave up for adoption all those years ago what
0: yeah or when did she have
1: that daughter um so in new orleans in 1989 is when she gave birth to her and um, a woman named mary adopted megan and she happened to be sharon's third baby she had her first baby Whoa. in high school who she gave up for adoption and then she had michael and then
0: she had megan so yeah oh gosh I mean she must have been a baby factory for a little while there mhm and what she is... had all three of these babies before she was 20 years old that's what i'm saying i mean if she had the first one in high school i mean what 16 maybe and then 16 through 20 having three kids i mean it's, it's absolutely possible but like yeah pregnant all the time
1: crazy um so the FBI um, goes back to interview Floyd again, um, sending Scott Love and Nate Furr to go see him. And when they're interviewing him, Franklin starts crying and starts getting kind of emotional. So they say, how did you kill him? How did you kill Michael? And he finally admits that he's um, shot him twice in the back of the head to, quote, make it real quick. Like, oh, what a mercy. So, he admits what? to killing Michael, finally.
0: I mean, um, I'm glad he finally admitted it, but... Yeah. Are you kidding me? Why don't you just... Why couldn't you just left him with the beans? I know. They loved him. hmm
1: And if he, he wasn't even really yours. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't even his kid. Um, and the beans were in the process of adopting him when he disappeared. So they he was literally almost officially theirs when he was abducted.
0: Ugh. Which really it makes it even worse. It's horrible. And like and you sent him off to school like it's mm-hmm. it's not like they were being neglectful in any way or like uh yeah. it's it like literally took him taking the principal at gunpoint to take this child. Mhm. Oh my gosh.
1: So Franklin tells them he buried Michael on the Oklahoma-Texas border, and they dug all along the border for days and days and days and looked and looked, but they never did
0: find his body, unfortunately. Um, I wonder, like, if he gave them a wrong spot or if he honestly just didn't even Doesn't know, even
1: like, remember, yeah.
0: Pulled it, you know, just, like, kind of pulled off on a random road and found a secluded area and.
1: It's- it seems expect. likely, you know, that he right. could have just carelessly dumped it and, like, doesn't even remember,
0: you know? Yeah. But um, sometimes serial sometimes killers like to hang on to that because they're just sick. Yeah, freak. that's also true.
1: So the mystery that still remained was who Sharon really was. So they still start asking him about that, and Franklin tells the agents that he was going by the name Brandon Cleo Williams when he met a young woman with her three daughters, and they got married. And the oldest of those daughters was a girl named Suzanne Savakis, who is Sharon's real name. Her real name is Suzanne Marie Savakis. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was born to Sandra and Clifford Savakis both of whom are still alive and this whole time their daughter has been missing and they haven't known where she is um clifford was in vietnam and when he came back sandy wanted a divorce he had pretty bad ptsd and was kind of a different person and she had been lonely and so they divorced Mm -hmm. and um sandra had gone to social services knowing she couldn't really care for three little girls alone um so social services tried to give clifford all three of those girls um but he was unemployed at 23 years old drinking from ptsd so he didn't think he could be a good parent to them um Mm -hmm. which like i commend him for like knowing that you know like like yeah like it's sad you can't have the children but also they probably wouldn't have been really great with him at that time
0: yeah that's the thing is or even um the mom i'm sorry sand sandra yeah sandra even the mom like going to social services and being like i can't take care of my children like mm-hmm. in circumstances like that that is what you do i mean yeah looking out for, for the sake of your kids you're you're mm-hmm. you have that their best interest at heart like that's being a real parent i yeah. mean you would wish that the family services would be able to to do something to support everybody and and keep the family together mm-hmm. but yeah i mean yeah. she's doing everything in the best interest of her girls yeah it sounds like
1: yeah trying to right um so that's when sandra met franklin at church and he offered to marry her and take care of the children for her and he was kind of like this savior in her eyes i guess even yeah. though he's potentially a stranger she just met him. Especially,
0: I can see like being a young mom. I can see how you, you know, you're you're a single mom, and then you all of a sudden see this man being a parent to your mm-hmm. children. Like that is, you're not only looking for a husband, you're looking for a father to your kids, and so seeing that would make you fall head over heels even more. Yeah, like he's the and same you're like so kid. desperate. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, Sandra writes a bad check, and she has to go to jail for 30 days for it, and that is when uh, Franklin abducts the children. Um, and he drops Allison and Amy off at an orphanage, which are the two other girls, and takes Suzanne with him. So, it's odd, like, what was it about Suzanne? Was it just because she was the oldest that he took her, you know, on, who knows?
0: yeah. But you wouldn't even think that. You'd think that you'd take the youngest, the one that has the, like the least likely chance of remembering anything.
1: That's yeah, that's also what true. Think.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe you know they just had in his eyes a special connection or something, mm-hmm. but or maybe she was willing to go with him. Yeah, I don't know. Cause yeah, um, when
1: Sandra gets out of jail she realizes what he has done and she goes to the police about it but because they were married and had he had rights to them they were like you'll have to take this to civil court we can't really help you so,
0: so did Sandra ever
1: track down her other two kids um what i the documentary didn't really talk about Allison and Amy other than like that they were dropped off at the orphanage but i think so because they weren't as hard to find you know um right So, I think so, but they didn't really talk about them at all,
0: other than that. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's such a sick... (sighs) He's not even... Like, I almost said human, but he's hardly even human. Yeah. Yet, he has the thought to drop them at an orphanage, like, where, you know, I mean, they're gonna have hopefully be put into a a good family or at least be fed and be taken care of in the meantime Mm -hmm. it's strange to me that shows like a little bit of remorse or that he cares at least a little bit like you'd think that he would just drop them off on the side of the road I know given his track record
1: yeah it's really odd how those things happen
0: his behavior is all over the place Mm -hmm. yeah um
1: so now everything is basically cleared up besides, you know, unfortunately, Michael not being found, but they do know what happened to him and where he relatively is. Um, so they have a Matt and Megan arrange a memorial service for them. Um, and Suzanne's grave, which only said Tanya on it this whole time, was now changed to say her full name. And her birthday and her death day, and it said devoted mother and friend. And mm-hmm. at her memorial service, everyone who worked on her case went. Like Agent Joe Fitzpatrick went because it was really important to them. And they had the people who worked on it worked on it for so long. Um, the beans were there. Her daughter Megan was there, um, and Megan ended up having a child that she named Michael after her brother, oh. and now she has a relationship with her grandparents who she never knew which is her you know Suzanne's parents oh Um, wow so now you know this she um you know has extended family now that she knows about and she knows the truth about what happened to her biological mom and everything so there's closure there but there's you know there's still a little bit like
0: not closure you know of at course, the same time yeah I mean yeah. she never got to meet her her um mom yeah and then also like that would be just so hard for the parents like finding out your long-lost child actually lived up to 20 years but then mm-hmm. before you got to meet her died yeah or see her again died like mm-hmm. that is just so sad that like 'Cause in, in her mind that all those years, she might she probably thought that she was she had died like, yeah. years years ago. Yeah. But just to hear actually no, she didn't die until not too long ago would mm-hmm. just be horrible crazy. because your child lived a whole life without you mm-hmm. and was out there in the world. Oh my gosh, I just oh that would suck. Yeah. I can't it, even imagine that. Yeah for the parents for everyone involved that's just like so sick that Franklin just took it upon himself to take just this child that wasn't even his Mm -hmm.
1: and it affects so many people like her her real parents her adopted or you know her kids that she gave away for adoption and their Mm -hmm. kids and you know like it affects and the beans like it affects so many people like what he did
0: so why do you think they kept Michael if they gave two of the kids up for adoption? I don't know i you know it's really strange
1: and who and we don't know who the father of her children all th- any of her children are We like don't know are
0: none of them Franklin?
1: I don't think so, and they might be um, but Michael definitely was not right. um. So and it also yeah that it begs the question of like who they were like possibly they were just like you know nobody like people she was forced to have sex with like for money you know right, right. so but it's not like for sure and like we know Megan who is her third kid but like they do not talk about the first child who was adopted at all so like maybe they want to like keep their life secret you know
0: don't want to maybe they don't even know who or they is. don't know
1: yeah that too wow yeah it's that like crazy like up and down a lot of different I, I, things happening
0: yeah it it is and it's very it's very bizarre that michael isn't um that they, he would keep michael and not the two other or at least like this is horrible to think but it seemed like his preference was girls so i'm kind of yeah. surprised that like he decided to keep Michael, which I mean, right? That is here, there, which is bizarre. Mm-hmm.
1: He,
0: yeah, because you said that the pictures were all girls. It's mm-hmm. like he didn't. I mean, no matter what, he's a sick freak. But yeah, I, I don't know, sure. that. Um, and then also, I mean, he. Oh, there's just so many questions. Wait, what happened to him? Is he still alive? Oh, yes. Um.
1: So he is still on death row. He is 79 years old now. Um. Still waiting execution
0: in Florida. Huh. I wonder if you can age out of that. <laughs> That'd be so weird. Uh, like, a- 89 years old. At that point, it's just a waste of electricity. But then again, <laughs> <laughs> you're feeding him... Meta- I mean, they don't
1: electrocute I mean, people anymore.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what you mean. It's <laughs>
1: lethal injection, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, Google it. Horrible. Can you age out of death, bro? <laughs> um, what, if
0: what if he's like 99 years old and just like walking up to the table? I don't know. Um, Honestly, though, we cannot. <laughs> well yeah that makes sense no matter what <laughs> those crimes even if you're a a less threatening old man yeah you still hit yeah it's just interesting but then okay so many thoughts actually i think that it's best this way i think that having him know that he's gonna die at some point but he doesn't know when mm-hmm. and um and then also hopefully he's in solitary confinement. I think anyone that's on death row is gonna be in solitary confinement. So he spends the rest of his days in solitary confinement, not knowing when he's gonna be put to death. I think that is a very a very good punishment. Yeah. I think it's horrifying.
1: He can just sit there and is
0: what he deserves rot and think about it. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Agreed. Exactly. Eighty nine years old. Wow. Well, it sucks because it's also he's he's probably taking medical care and all that, all those resources. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. He's just a waste of space. Stupid Franklin. Honestly, you know what's weird though. What? This has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, but you said the name Clifford. Uh huh. That name has popped up so many times in the past two days. Really? Like, yeah, I was I so it started yesterday morning when I was scrolling on my phone and I saw um that like someone named Clifford was tagged in something my friends had posted. And I was like, wow, Clifford. Like I've been watching a lot of Clifford the Rick big red dog lately because <laughs> of Jilly. And she has this book that she has me read all the time so I'm saying the name Clifford like 20 times a day (laughs) but only when I'm referring to the big red dog yeah but no this this uh person was named Clifford and tagged in something and I'm like wow I didn't realize people were still named Clifford and then you mentioned Clifford today and then um there was another reference there was another time I heard about a Clifford today anyway it's just like so that's ironic weird yeah. yeah, why is that name popping up all the all over the place? Pay attention; you're going to see it now too.
1: I know, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so what what's the name of the documentary that you got all this information from? Uh, it is called "The
1: Girl in the Picture"
0: on Netflix. Okay. All right, so it's like pretty much based off that book, then, right? Isn't the book called "The Girl in the"?
1: uh the book oh the book that the journalist wrote it's called a beautiful
0: child oh okay so never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all um, <laughs> all right well you know um that was really really sad to hear but yeah. um may franklin rot in hell <laughs> you're here <laughs> <laughs> yes um Jilly has been awake for a while. So I should probably go get her. So anyway. Okay. On that <laughs> note, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you're listening to a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder.